I've worked for a long time was coaching and coaching coaches. Now, my particular area of interest in research and doing a lot of presenting and work has been in bullying in the workplace. Previously, it had been in other kinds of abuse and violence, domestic violence, and marginalized folks. And so that interest has carried forward, and it's become an important part of our work in the coaching practice. Welcome to the Challenger Podcast, your HR passport for news and issues of the day. I talked to our Director of Learning, Judith DeVries, about bullying in the workplace on this episode. Uh, This has been something that's been talked about this last year in the election, um, talking about harassment and bullying, and actually they're not the same thing. They're not the same thing at all, and they're used interchangeably all the time. Just before I came to work this morning, I heard a news report where it was used interchangeably at least five times in less than 10 minutes in a high school hazing case. And in work, it often is used in, I don't want to say abuse, but it is the term. And too many of us have the idea that harassment always deals with sex. And, of course, that's what we in our training and our compliance things over the years we've had to do is sexual harassment. Another piece about harassment before we talk about the differences is that bullying in the workplace is almost always same sex. If it's opposite sex, the person who is being bullied can use the formal uh, rules and procedures and things for harassment. If it's same sex, those aren't available. And in fact, if they're being bullied by a very successful rainmaker or a very senior leader, they're often turned back and told to toughen up and learn to be like that person. Now, the first thing about harassment and bullying, and I've really decided over the last year or so that this is the most important distinction, and it's an easy one for all of us to learn and remember. And the reason it's important is so that you will understand that a Harassment is serious, needs to be taken seriously, and action taken. However, bullying is even more injurious to the person emotionally, can be physically with stress-induced illness, and to the workplace in general, and can lead to toxic workplace litigation, which is becoming more and more common. Here's the difference. Harassment is about what you are. It's about red or yellow, black or white, male or female, Christian, Muslim, Jew. It's about what you are. Bullying is about who you are. It's about who you are, not what you are. And we all are who we are. And it really digs deep to that soul in that DNA, and that's why it is so emotionally and physically damaging. And it's harder to recover from someone being bullied because you can't bind together with another group that is like you. Right. So that becomes more difficult. That's right, because with what you are, uh, as Colleen said, you can bind together in a group, and we see that in social action. One of the most effective, and we've all watched it, is the LGBT community and their social action, which has just been amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. We don't have any bullying groups. Mm-hmm. We have seen some work with trying to have support groups with other kinds of abuse, but victims groups have rarely been accepted. 
And you've seen it in schools also. Yes, but not in the workplace. No. And one of the things that has really helped, because I've been talking about this now for over 10 years, and it wasn't a very popular subject, and people didn't want to have it introduced. And one thing that's really helped us in our work is that when the conversation opened about bullying in schools, it then became more acceptable to right. talk about bullying in the workplace. And if you think about it, all of those bullies grow up. That's right. Some bullies grow up to be bullies, some victims grow up to be victims, and some victims, it's their turn, mm -hmm. and that they're going to do it. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything more to say on harassment for bullying? I think that the uh, harassment is that it really is a threat, and it truly is a threat. Um, the, and if you complain about it, yes, that it's a threat. Mm -hmm. So it's two ways. It's a threat to you, and it's seen as a threat. The other thing is, as Colleen said about not being able to gather together in groups, it's even worse than that. It's really even more isolating than that. If you work for a bully and you're one of several, you don't want to become that victim. And you know that every day or week or month that the target is going to be on somebody's back, and you don't want that to be you. You don't want to be near that. And so the victim, rather than being helped, is often shunned, almost as if they have a social disease. Mm -hmm. and, and I know that in our work, when we are coaching a bully, it's nice to have when the victim also has a, a coach. That's true, and that uh, unfortunately rarely happens. I do have in one of our oldest customers and best customers in their law firm, and they do a lot of developmental work. But they're also very forward-thinking, and they do have bullies there, as many professional services firms do. And they do have the person who is the bully coached, but they also provide coaching for the victim. It's fine, and it should be addressed. And no matter what level the person is, the bullying should be taken care of and coached. But you see that still leaves the person who's the victim and has suffered out there and alone. So why is this often ignored? Because it's really in workplaces, it's not. It doesn't come to light often, or it's talked about. And it may be talked about, or it's uh, one of the things there. Most often, bullies are usually not people who are very successful. But particularly in leadership teams and C-suite teams, there are people who have been very, very successful. For a long time, it was because it was part of the American workplace culture, and the people that we admired were people with names like Chainsaw Al, and, or people that were really brilliant, like leaders in Microsoft who were brilliant, but were really bullies and no one uh, would work for them. That's changing, and the Employ No Jerks movement is, is slowly grinding forward. So that is one piece of it that's changed. The other piece that still goes on and hasn't changed, and as I said, they're very successful people, is that that person is often a rainmaker. They're someone who brings a great deal of money into the firm or sales or dealing with outside customers, and they're excused and they say, that's just the way that Howard is, you know. Mm -hmm. Or, well, just put up with it because, you know, Howard bills more hours than anybody ever has. Uh, in this this law firm, and so it's accepted, right? And that's not acceptable. So, what types of bullies have you encountered in your uh, work? 
Well, first of all, let's talk about male versus uh, female okay. boys. And there are, we do encounter more males and females, and it's not because males are worse than females. It's simply because still uh, in this country and many other countries that the percentage of women in leadership or in the C-suite is much smaller than men. And we've talked about this in previous podcasts also. Yes. That, that uh, discrepancy. Yes. And let me mention this, and I hate to talk about this as a female, but the female bullies that we have worked with are, I hesitate to say more accomplished at their bullying but or better, but they are. They are. And that it's just very, very difficult. And there are a couple of reasons many of them have fought uh, in male-saturated industries. And notice I said male-saturated, that's my campaign. We don't talk about male-dominated mm -hmm. industries. It's male-saturated <laughs> industries and get that power. They've had to fight very, very hard in many cases to get where they are, and they still continue to uh, behave in that way. They also, we should, and certainly in an ideal world, and if we're all altruistic, we would want to mentor our sisters. Unfortunately, and particularly for people in my generation, or the baby boomers, uh, there's often the view, I'm sorry, I had to beat my head for years against that glass ceiling to get through, and those women are going to have to do it the same way. Okay. The other reason is that if you're a very successful female, and one of the people that reports to you complains to HR about being bullied, Instead of getting help, the response is, you go back there, you look at how successful Susan has been, you toughen up and get on with it. So that's really with the uh, males and the females. Uh, let's talk a little bit about um, manipulators. And that's true. There's an old nursery rhyme. When she was good, she was very, very good. And when she was bad, she was hard. Or it can be he. And that's many, many, many times. Uh, often after there's a real blow-up and the kind of bully who has that explosiveness about them, and they're often uh, very senior leaders, after the explosion, they come back to that one person or that other and say, I am so sorry, I am so sorry, I didn't mean to do it, it won't happen again. So if you're the one that's been the victim of that, you're going to say, oh, no, she doesn't mean that. She's not really sorry, whatever. I, I did mean that at the time. Did intend to do that. But the next thing or the next trigger is there is with any kind of abuse or any kind of violence, it's going to happen again. Another reason for addressing this head on and right away is that in any kind of bullying relationship at work, just as in any kind of abusive relationship, it never gets better. It always escalates. And so that needs to be taken care of right then. Another uh, kind of manipulation that people do are they're often very gregarious. Like I said, they're very good with customers. Mm -hmm. They're very good outside is if they're confronted. I was only kidding. Right. I was only teasing. You know her. She can't take a joke. Mm -hmm. She's never going to make it with the guys because uh, she can't take a joke. And then they're simply power players. And power players are aware of what they're doing. Okay. In many cases, they're not. But in power players, no. And they play the game. Mm 
they play the game of threats, and they're allowed to do it. They say, what do I do if I'm an HR professional or I'm a professional and I see bullying and it's someone who is the CEO or senior leadership above me? And I would tell you this, and it's imperative if you are going to be a good leader at the level you are or continue to develop a leader, and that is even if you don't have the rank, it is your responsibility to address that kind of behavior. And I can assure you that there's more and more litigation about hazardous or toxic workplaces, and I can assure you that they're not going to accept as an excuse in the court of law, oh, I didn't have, he had a higher rank than right. I did or she, I, I couldn't face it. Mm -hmm. So we do. Uh, we all have, we all have that responsibility. Okay. So that was the characteristics of the bullies. There are, though, types. One of them that I always think of is the screaming Mimi. Yes. So that, that's the one I always think of. <laughs> and that's probably because you come across yeah. screaming Mimi's. And uh, when I'm doing groups and, and doing groups in person, and I'll often ask uh, for a show of hands on how many people have seen bullying in the workplace or how many people may have been bullied themselves. And generally, 75 to 80% of people raise their hands. And then there's still some that don't. And I have a slide that I show that had these characters. And as Colleen said, and one is called the two-headed snake, and the other one is called the screaming Mimi. And as soon as I show the picture of the two-headed snake and the screaming Mimi, the other 20% raise their hands. <laughs> and it's almost never in a group that it's not 100% of the people that haven't seen it or known about it or had it happen to them. Yeah. And then the... Uh, the two-headed snake, the same thing, they pretend to be nice to you while they're um, undercutting, undercutting you. you all the time. And we have all known about that, mm -hmm. that, you know, you hardly get out the door until they say, she thinks that I'm going to do that for her, right. but she's going to find out. And we all remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, the screaming Mimi once again. And people will often, too, will be careful not to trigger that because you get to know uh, who those people are and what they do. Uh, another one is even if they're not talking about it out loud, and some people do, I think criticizing and complaining becomes a habit. Mm -hmm. It's a habit with people, and they exercise it, and it's damaging. And so they may have been told not to do that anymore, and so they don't ever say anything out loud again. But we have all been in meetings where the body language and you see the famous rolling of the eyes, the sighing, the shaking their head, uh, doing other things or whatever. And that really influences, particularly at higher levels, really influences decision-making. And just the flow of the meeting. Yes. Uh, you know, what gets proposed and what gets set aside. Absolutely. You don't have to say anything. Right. Right. So with that, too, uh, the uh, excluding people, mm -hmm. that's a real way to do it. You know, how do you feel if you work on a team of five people and you know that there are often meetings or discussions or conference calls and you're not on mm -hmm. it? And even if it's not so, 
you can't help but think or imagine, and they're probably right, that they're disgusting. Right, right. And how can you get any work done when you're feeling that way? Well, you can't. And one of the real problems are, uh, is not just because it's the right thing to do, that, although it is, that these things to be addressed, but bullies in the workplace sabotage competitive edge and advantage in the end because people, A, like I said, they're stress-induced illness and they're out of work, or you shut down and you're afraid to try anything. You're afraid to do anything because you know that you can't do it right. And pretty soon it shuts down and the whole thing goes away. And then some people, they know that it won't do any good to address that or do it, and you lose valuable talent. And now since we have sites everywhere on the Internet like Glassdoor, I can assure you that it gets talked about. They may simply leave and won't tell you why, but I can tell you that it may well show up on Glassdoor. Oh, yeah. Definitely online. Social networks. Right. They're going to talk about it probably publicly somewhere. Right. So they're not as protected. That's that's a good thing, that they're not not as protected there. They're held accountable somewhere. That's right. That's right. So you've also, you've presented on this so many times, and you talk about the the followers of bullies. Yes. Um, and that's interesting to me because you don't ever want to blame the victim. No. But there are things that victims can do to maybe mitigate this. Right. There. Um, one thing that we have, and it's uh, one thing that's hard. And let, let me talk just for a second about women. Yeah. And one of the things that help young women in many, many organizations is that they're promoted because they're good. And they follow the rules and they're nice and they're gracious and they act like until they get to a certain place. There's a famous book that's been used for several years in coaching that's called Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner yes. Office. Now, that does not mean that you have to be like the devil wears Prada, mm -hmm. but you've learned so often to be nice and acquiescent that you begin to be seen as having no opinion okay. or someone that can be used or walked on. And if you are someone who has the problem of bullying, you will be. Right. And you'll think that you need to continue to do that. And you don't ever want to be called the word. And you think that that will hold you back. Right. And those are the easiest victims. There are certainly men that that's true, too. But it's particularly because of the way that women are still raised mm -hmm. in the culture and in the schools, it will be. Um, idealistic people. They are around. Mm -hmm. They're still here. Or they're very naive about it. And it is, I know that Bill is just a you-know-what to work for, but I'm not going to let him get the best of me. I follow the golden rule, and I am going to hang in there, and you're not going to get stars in your crown. Right. But people that have been raised that really think it. Now, does that happen with a lot of young yes. people just getting into the They don't know. Right. They don't know. And often that's why you don't, or it's someone who's been around a long time okay. and they've lived this life of, we've all known them. Right, right. We've all known them. Uh, that in the old, older days or whatever, and I heard a woman talk about, and 
I'd like to tell you that it was 50 years ago, but it wasn't 50 years ago, but probably 20 years ago, that she worked for the CEO. And even though she didn't like it, she had to walk to the train station with him every night and carry his briefcase. Oh. Uh, (laughs) Now that's what you call the ultimate. (laughs) Then there are people that are just passive, and all of us have done this in probably some point in our life or some kind of relationship, and it's called peace at any price. Right, yes. Just conflict, Disconflict, evasion. evasion, we will do that. When we're coaching people to be leaders, and great companies and organizations coach their people to become leaders before they become leaders, mm-hmm. or as they're coming up, and that's why 95% of the coaching that we do now is developmental. Right. It's not about this, and so that that really is good. But one of the hardest things in dealing and working with people at that stage and doing it is what we call having courageous or critical conversations. They just can't do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that continues clear up to, I was talking to somebody yesterday about a case that we're going to work on that, unfortunately, the CEO of the company, he just can't do it. And he hides. <laughs> and so that that becomes just a terrible problem. And it's easier to be bullied that way. Too. That's true. And it limits progress. It does. You, when you can't do these these hard decisions. The hard decisions and, and you stay away from them. Uh, self, self-criticism. And we see that in all kinds of abuse, too. That if you're told often enough, remember, let's go back to bullying is about who you are. And if you're told often enough that these things are wrong and that it's your fault, and how many times have I told you this? And why can't you understand? And other people do this or do that or whatever, that you begin to believe it. You begin to believe it. And it's called learned helplessness. And then there are people that are very vulnerable. And it's they are in a position, and we all have things that we have to do in our lives and we need and we have to have. And they are afraid. They're afraid of, losing their livelihood, they've seen what's happened to other people that complain. Right. And they literally are stuck. And so this is a good transition into the cost to employers. It seems, and we've, we've talked about it a little bit. Yes. It doesn't advance the company. No. Horrible for productivity and morale. Right. Uh, what other costs to employers? There are real, real costs. And I mean costs in dollars and cents. Right. Mm-hmm. And the costs of replacing talent and teaching talent, even if they're experienced in whatever the field is, every company is different. Any of us who have ever gone to a new job uh, know about having to learn the foreign language of that job. Yeah, definitely. And that there are learning, always learning, and particularly the more senior the person is that we're losing, Mm -hmm. the more expensive it is for the company to replace right. yes. and retrain. And they may have a very, very difficult time coming in and may not stay because they can't get the trust of the people. Uh, the largest number of failures of leaders coming in from outside are in the first 90 days, and it's 40%. Wow. And if you think about that and what might be a search firm cost, a relocation cost, that it's it's just incredible. And just the time. Just the takes, time. Yeah. To get your new person up to speed. That there really there really, really is a cost. And that you see uh, a group 
that often has a bully as a leader that will really bully another group inside and they shut down. Right. Right. That sales, for instance, the sales and sometimes very successful dynamic sales people or whatever, and they really they pound and pound and pound and pound on the people inside who are the ones that really get the work done. And people that are in those groups in development or accounting or shipping or whatever they happen to be, they say, I'm not going to do that mm -hmm. for Bill again. Right. And Bill goes, Bill goes to the back of the line. Right. That's right. Just as there are people that you'll do anything for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the cost is real. The cost is real. It can be real uh, in cost of litigation, in loss of talent, in loss of reputation, in loss of sales. It's just pervasive right. all the way down. And at litigation, too, I mean, that is a massive cost. And people are suing when they are yeah. treating well. And there are more and more, you know, in Europe there have been, uh, for a long time, particularly the UK took bullying very seriously mm -hmm. early on and had done, and there are more regulations and laws and things, but every year there are more and more states that are passing laws about toxic workplace and about bullying, and it's going to be taken very seriously. And the cost across because it covers so many people and so many categories and who you are is going to make the cost of harassment suits look like nothing. Mm -hmm. So we, there's just so many reasons. This has to stop now. And so what are those solutions? Those solutions are is that everybody who knows it and sees bullying has to recognize it for what it is. Here's one thing that's amazing to me is when I'm working and I get calls and I get many and they want to talk about a situation that they have and I listen carefully and they describe all the things that have happened and the complaints and the actions of the people and what it's causing now and what it's doing and I'll say, it sounds to me like we can help you that you've come to the right place. You have a bully on your hands. And the person on the other side of the phone said, oh, I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't call her a bully. You're not going to say that word to her when you talk to her until we get over that yes. and recognize it for what it is and not go around. One of the ones that's the worst that really drives me crazy is escalated incivility. Come on. <laughs> What does that mean? You tuck your napkin a very corporate right. term for right. That yeah. we will call it anything that we can. Right. It's the old Ann Richards put a lipstick on the pig. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this, the, you know, this pig is too expensive. We just, mm -hmm. we just cannot do that. And we have to talk about it directly. And they have to understand. And they may say, and it often is, I don't mean it that way. I'm not really that way. I don't believe that most people go to work wanting to be evil. Right, right. I don't believe that they do, but they are, many of them, and they treat people very, very poorly. So whether you mean it or not, perception is reality. We don't want you to change who we are. I don't want anyone to come in and tell me they're going to fix me mm -hmm. because we are who we are. So we have to learn those strengths and avoid those pitfalls, but we have to understand what the reality of our behavior is, we're not asking you to convert to another religion. We're asking for behavior change. And if people can see it that way, because the same way, they don't want to be attacked for right. who they are. And they have to know 
that this cannot continue. Does a lot of the burden fall to HR, or is this across the board leadership? It's across the board leadership, and it needs to be. You know, it's very difficult. Uh, HR folks uh, have so many responsibilities to do, and when they really are burdened with people because they won't have critical conversations or the courage to do that, they can't really do the work that they need to do. Uh, HR can be seen as almost having a sign outside the door that uh, it's the, like the principal's office, do that again and I'm sending you to the principal's office, or that somehow as HR professionals they need to wear referee shirts and whistles. They Don't they need to certainly assist the person who's pointing it out, but it has to be confronted there. There has to be from the top down, from leadership. Uh, so it's systemic. It has to be systemic. It's leadership starts from the top down. It's the same way with coaching. Uh, they'll say, let's start with the managers and we'll work our way up. It doesn't work that way. Cultures are built from the top down in a couple. So when that CEO is the bully, what can be done? Is, that, is it the other C-suite kind of say we have to fix this? The other C-suite sort often can be... Uh, Many times if my phone rings at 4.30 on a Friday afternoon, I know that it's going to be a call, and on the other end of the line, it's going to be someone who says, this is Oscar Smith, you know me, I'm the employment attorney for da-da-da-da-da, hello there, this is Susan Williams, and I'm chair of the board of XYZ Company, and we have been told that we have to do something about our CEO. Okay. Or do it, yeah. So it's often. That's still almost the top down. The, the board is down. The board down. Yes. So it's a complex problem, but we've made it more complex, of course, over time than it needs to be. But it really needs to be done now. And it's been interesting. Uh, when I had a chance to go back and did to graduate school, I knew I had a chance to go to school, but I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do and what I was going to do with it. And my faculty mentor and, and good friend said, and it sounds convoluted, it said, you have to decide what it is you can't not do. And what I discovered that what I can't not do is work on this issue and on, on abuse and in the workplace and have people see that it can be solved. Not all the time. I believe that everybody deserves a chance to learn and change and develop. Given the right opportunity, most people will, but not everyone. And so we do have to accept that, too, and in dealing with it. You're not going to be able to uh, change or have everybody change their behavior, but that's not an excuse for not giving everybody that chance. So you have to identify it and then really confront it. At yes. Home. There's no easy way around it. Well, thank you so much, Judith. Thank you. And to learn more about Challenger, you can visit our website at www.challengergray.com. You can also find us online on social media at Challenger Gray on Facebook and at Challenger Gray on Twitter. You can also find us on LinkedIn. Thanks so much.